0: Welcome into the Draft Report Podcast. I'm Jack Barowski, joined here alongside my co-host, Sam Keats. On this episode, we go over the National Championship game, take a stab at mocking the top 10 of the 2024 NFL Draft before finishing off the episode for the top prospects we've watched recently. Sam, you know, we're we're looking at this National Championship. I think something that we could take away is that it just didn't have the same fireworks uh, that the semifinals did but uh, you know, at least we got two of the three games really good and it, and it was pretty solid for the majority of the time I, I thought towards the end things got a little out of hand but yeah for a lot of the game it was 20 to 13 especially the the, the second half but uh Michigan just you know as eventually it's like you know it's your Old school style team. The offensive linemen are just bigger. You know, the the defenders are bigger because when we look at the Michigan offensive line, and people brought up the Joe Moore Award and how Washington won it, and you could argue yeah, they didn't necessarily have the best offensive line in the in the country, but Michigan's old line, you know, they had some rough outings. There, there's a reason they had to run the ball a thousand times against Penn State is because they couldn't handle those pass rushers. But yeah, I thought in the trenches, Michigan won, and, and that was uh, the reason the game ended. The, w- the way it did. And I thought defensively, they had a great performance. They really held Michael Penix in check. Who we're going to talk about uh, a lot in this uh, episode, just based off of boy, I will say this. I think the worst thing to ever happen. Uh, Michael Penix's draft stock was Quinn Ewers, not throwing it closer to the front pile on in Texas, winning that game. Cause <laughs> Texas wins that game. He's a, you know, a clear cut first round pick. And then now it's like, Oh, back to all the questions. Cause last week it was, Holy cow. He's great. And it, wasn't even just like an overreaction from, you know, fans and everything. But you saw like Mel Kuyper put him in the top, you know, I think 15 you know, or closer to 10 of his updated top 25 big board. And then Dane Brugler put for his top 25 players in the game. He had him, I think, two or so and said, you know, he doesn't necessarily have him there, but he sees a team taking him top 20 or potentially taking him that high. And then there was even conversations. Is he better than Jaden Daniels or Drake May or one of these guys? And I think uh, you know things have come down to earth and maybe even gone too far in the other direction but um it was an interesting game for both quarterbacks again, I think you know you know we'll 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 talk about it and just where they fall but just yeah what were your takeaways from uh Michigan going undefeating and winning the national
1: championship? Well, defense still clearly wins championships based on what we saw the other day. We never, <laughs> God knows there was no offense in that game for the most part. Outside of the first maybe two or three drives of the actual game, everything kind of quieted down. And people forget, people talk about this game like how it was like disappointing, but it was a seven-point game for a large portion of this. Like, Washington had every opportunity they had wanted to go out and win this football game. They had tons of possessions. They had the chances. They even had the plays that were on the table uh, the one missed by Penix, I think we're still getting to the one missed. Penix had to Odunze on a blown coverage where I, I think he's trying to lead Odunze. I think it was Odunze. He's trying to lead Odunze to space so he can get yards for the catch. I believe maybe I'm giving him too much credit on the throw, but I think he's trying to lead Odunze to space and the receiver is not, not going there. He's trying to like sit down a little bit and just make the catch. And there's a miscommunication there and, and Penix misses him by a good portion. Uh, which is a throw, you just, you can't miss that. You need to have that. And there were a couple other plays, of course, the game where he missed throws, where they had the opportunities. Uh, I gave Penix, when I initially did a summary evaluation, I gave him a second round grade. And going back and looking at the eval, I think it's it was right for the most part. I think it's kind of where he is. Like, never get too high, never get too low kind of thing. And I have gotten low on him at times this year. I, I put him third round in the 80s or so on my prospect rankings. That's probably too low. Uh, but at the same time, I do think, late second, early third round is probably where the, the actual draft grade, if you're not accounting for positional value, you're just talking about grading on a scale from 0 to 10 or 0 to 7. I think you would come out with a probably a mid-second to early, uh, early third round grade on panics. Is really where you would be at before the injuries, before positional value, before that kind of stuff. Uh, because really, he has these issues where he does misfire two or three times a game. Sometimes it's he's missing open receivers, and he's done this multiple times this year. Or sometimes he just doesn't see the defender and he throws it right to him. That has happened as well this year. I, I can't really take him to I can't really hurt him too much on the first interception through the other night because he had his ankle stepped on in a way that would probably snap my entire leg in half. So I can't really blame him for that one. The second one you probably can, but granted, he was playing through a ton of pain the entire night. Uh, see so yeah, I think people were getting too high after last week, too low after this game we really have to find a middle ground here. He's probably going to be a second round pick, assuming the medicals check out.
0: Yeah, I think so. And he was trending towards, I don't know if you remember last year when, and this happened more in April, when we start to see Hendon hooker, maybe it's March, April, get some first like clear cut first round. Like he's going top 16, expect Tennessee at 11 or, you know, Minnesota 23 to be, you know, the last chance you're going to get to Hendon Hooker. And, you know, he had an ACL injury at the time and fell to 68. Penix was going to, I think, have been a draft day fall. So just say, hypothetically, Texas wins that game. They beat Washington. I think the buzz would have gotten to where Penix was considered a top 10 pick and then maybe not have gotten to be in that position and probably have gone 25 to 50 range. I think after this game, I don't think we're going to have that late buzz with him just because it's going to leave a bad taste in people's mouths. And I just, yeah, uh, it it goes back to, right? Like he was, you know, one of the clear fallers, just um, neither quarterback really did much of anything there. You know, there was stuff that panics, you know, you saw the limiting factors of why he's not a first round caliber prospect and you, you you hit it that, you know, you gave him a second round grade. That's probably where he goes. I'm a little bit lower uh, than you on him. And I have been, and it was partly why I was saying like the Texas game, like don't make that your whole eval because like they have such a bad defense and it's no different just because they have to sweat and Byron Murphy and the defenses he played played in the pack 12. And I may be just too low on him. He and Bo Nix. Like I, I know I've talked about this a lot. Man, like I just I can't get on board with them, but um, I, I I think you yeah, don't go too far down from where you were just over the course of the season with Penix because at the end of the day, it's a big game, but it it's a just a part of it. It's not your entire evaluation that he can't play football because he had a bad game in the national championship game against a team that was clearly from top to
1: bottom better. Yeah, I think the gap between. Penix and Bo Nix, and say the Spencer Rattlers of the world. It's the gap between them is smaller than the gap between Penix and Nix and the elite prospects like Caleb wow. Williams and Drake May. I think they're closer to that Penix and Penix uh, are that close to that Rattler end of the spectrum. And again, we're not we're not talking about Drake May or Caleb Williams being generational. We do consider them to be elite quarterback prospects, and I don't see Penix or Nix in that light. We don't see Rattler in that light either. Uh, so I think that the gap there between those top two and of course you have jay Daniels somewhere in the middle there but then you get down to guys like Knicks and Penix. i just find them to be closer to rattler in terms of they're not those guys who are necessarily guaranteed to be nfl stars versus we know the top three certainly the top two in this draft are going to be day one starters that's kind of how i view those guys uh, and again i'm not saying they won't be good nfl players i just think that there's less guarantee with them and even less upside going forward Uh, With them compared to some of the younger guys in this draft.
0: No, I agree. In terms of risers from the game, I wrote down one name. You uh, had two, but one encompasses uh, a lot of players um, when we talk about Michigan for next year. But I went with Donovan Edwards because I put him as a follower last week. I just think less that this makes him like a real riser for this year's draft, but just more that. We saw a little bit of the speed, a little bit of the athleticism that we were missing all year long. That was just completely non-existent. And I, Washington, you could argue the way Texas ran all over them. If Texas didn't have two fumbles in the second half that were pretty major and committed to the run game consistently, especially early on, because they were throwing the ball uh, way too much. Like they would or you know rush for a thousand yards and you know we saw Michigan run sh- rush for a ton because that Washington defense is really struggles to to defend the ru- the run. So we saw some big runs from Donovan Edwards. I think this can give him some momentum and some confidence going into next season because it was rough until uh, a couple runs this game. And he should be one of the guys. you know they've they've got a couple other running backs. Number twenty, uh, I think was a true freshman. So the two of them can play on that, you know, Corum Edwards role, and maybe he takes the lead for next year. I can't see him coming out. He should not come out, but he'll be the lead back for next year. And hopefully he can write the ship because the two of us said, you know, he's got a solid shot to be RB1 in the 24 draft and would not take him close to the top 100 now. So uh, good to see him move in the right direction. And, you know, hopefully he can reestablish himself as one of the top running backs in a, a solid group for next year.
1: Yeah. And I mentioned Blake Corman as well as for a guy who I thought was a riser. Because again, Edwards had some very explosive plays to open the game. And Corman kind of took over a bit later when they were really trying to pound the rock, run the clock out. But he also had some expo- explosive plays. And I think you really see that Corman has the power, despite being a smaller back, to run between the tackles and take those hits and just create some of that tough yards. But then he also has the vision. Be able to find holes. He's got the quick footwork and the bounce and the burst as well. They create plays of 10, 15 or more yards pretty consistently. He had a couple of those runs last night. Uh, and yeah, I think Quorum's just highly consistent. We'll probably just be a third-round pick. We know, we know who he is. We know what he is as a prospect. But I just can't get away from how consistent he's been and the fact that he does have these traits that will translate to the NFL so I want to mention Blake Corman, Then the all-encompassing group I brought up, that doesn't really affect this year, but I mentioned the Michigan sophomores. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. Have they, I mean, they legitimately, if J.J. McCarthy goes back next year, they might be able to just run it back. And I don't know if Harbaugh will be there next year because he might go for an NFL coaching job, but whoever walks in there is getting a really good team. It's about Colston Loveland, who's the leading receiver in this game. He's a sophomore at tight end. You go to the defense and look at the defensive players they have on the front, and Mason Graham and Kenneth Grant. They're both sophomores. Obviously, in the secondary, you've got Will Johnson. He's a sophomore. It's just a loaded group. And all those guys are going to be really good. I mean, Loveland will be a pretty highly rated tight end prospect next year, I think. And then you're probably looking at Graham and Grant. Graham's probably going to be a first round pick as of right now, depending on how looking at how things are standing. Grant will probably be projected in the summer as a second round pick. Will Johnson will be projected as probably a first round pick. They have a lot of really good talent there. <laughs> they will probably run some of this back.
0: Yeah, they do. And I wonder which of the older guys they'll get to go back to school or what does Junior Colson do? I I don't think he's done enough to necessarily be this top 100 pick. And Chris Jenkins, I'm pretty sure, does have one more year of eligibility left. I I can't remember exactly because I know he is a senior, but is he a fourth year with a right? Like, does he, I don't, is this the, I'm very confused with it all with the eligibility. But, (laughs) like, you know, guys like, uh, they just, they're they're older guys really haven't, I don't think anyone outside of probably Mikey Sandra still has really elevated their stock this season. Like, Rod Moore, he's a junior. Does he go back to school? I could see that. It's a crowded day two safety class. I don't think he's done enough to establish himself, uh, similar to Colson. I know it's a weaker linebacker class. So like Edwards going bad. You're going to lose Roman Wilson, but this team, we're going to talk about Jason McCarthy in a second here. This team does not really throw the ball a ton and doesn't need to to win games. So yeah, they could run it back with a lot, you know, you you lose all your offensive linemen, but I don't really think outside of Zach or any of them or more than late day 3 draft picks. Uh, you you can maneuver and they should have guys in the wings that are legitimate starters yeah that's just what they do hardballs the real question here is I, I, there's gonna be a, a lot that goes on in the near future and does he pull a Pete care or I don't want to be a part of this mess I know what I did was really wrong or does he think like nothing of what I did was wrong and I'm not gonna get another suspension I won't you know face a year-long suspension or I won't have this taken away or that because if that's the case, then maybe he does want to go back, but like, does he want to coach the Chargers? So I think that's the interesting thing that happens here with this team, and, and I just I I don't know, but yeah, they've got a lot of sophomores, uh, and they're gonna be a really good program. Harbaugh's turned this team around for one that was before him, and even his first few years, a solid, really good program, and now they're one of the you know elite top tier teams and they don't even recruit at the same level that a lot of these other schools like Ohio State who they've beaten every year they don't even recruit as well as them so to see them have all these uh, Colston Loveland from Idaho right like they just do a great job uh, of uh, evaluating and developing players so uh, kudos to them because they're in a great position and Washington on the other side you know this was their year to do it and they didn't but uh, Washington gets guys, especially on the West Coast. We'll see going to the Big Ten if if things change. I just assume next year losing. We already saw Polk's declaring Odunze, Penix. Maybe McMillan goes back, but still losing a lot. Your left tackle will be gone. Your top tier pass rusher, and I wanted to bring up uh, in terms of followers, uh, top tier pass rusher Braylon Trice. I thought he was pretty uh, non-existent for going up against a weaker offensive line. Granted. You know, similar to Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell, they don't make things easy on these pass rushers to get you know opportunities to really pin their ears back and go. But uh, I just thought he, he didn't do a ton, especially coming off a phenomenal performance against two quality tackles in Kelvin Banks and Christian Jones. I, t- I thought he took a step back. Not really too much of a follower, but I, I felt like outside of the quarterbacks, you know, there wasn't a ton of really bad play.
1: Yeah, it is tougher because McCarthy only drops back and throws the ball 18 times. Well, he had probably more dropbacks than this, but he only threw the ball 18 times. And so he's, it's he's tough not, to kind of get...
0: He's not letting those plays develop. Like There's a lot of really short passes, that you know, crossers, Very th- things are very easy. These are developing plays that force McCarthy to stay in the pocket for a long time.
1: Yeah, so there's a lot schemed up there to help out protect J.J. McCarthy because we know he's been under attack from some pass rushers this year, especially those Penn State guys. But uh, for my followers, I mentioned Pennix just because we, the media had been on such a high on him, like such a ridiculous high compared to where he was the entire course of the season. That they almost forgot the regular season even happened, it felt like, and they were just focusing on that one game. So Pennix, obviously, we talked about a bit of a faller, And a player who I don't think is going to be in this class, but maybe he would be or would have been without this game, uh, Roger Rosengarten, the right tackle. Washington dude they were they like targeted him in the second half of this game they pointed him out and they went at him I watched three or four plays in a row where he gets penalized and he gives up a pressure immediately off the snap and then he gets spun around legitimately has to turn his back to the defender at one point in the next play it's just it was not good last night that was one of the worst performances from a legit prospect on the offensive line I've seen this year
0: yeah I, I thought he struggled. Yeah, you know, he had the key holding call. He the pressure was coming from that side, and it's funny that's Penix's blind side. Uh, just a, a, an interesting thing to note. But I would assume he's coming back after right after that performance. It's a loaded tackle class. You heard some rumblings of him coming out, but then you have a performance like this and it's go back to school. There's going to be less tackles next year and establish yourself a, a, as a much better prospect than where he stands today. After that game, there'll be even more questions, but where was he even before this? So uh, he'll be able to answer them next year. So yeah, hopefully he goes back to, to improve his stock. I just think overall the quarterbacks and, you know, like to put a cap on the game. Yeah. I think Michigan played really well all season. It, I think the biggest thing you could tell is like in-game coaching doesn't really have a huge effect that they were able to beat Penn State on the road without Harbaugh. They won their first few games without Harbaugh with, you know, no sweat, like all the turmoil, all the you know, issues they dealt with all season didn't seem to really impact them at all. And they just ran the ball well, played good defense. You know, didn't have to play a ton of really good quarterbacks at all. I think that's like, the you know, Milro. And, uh, you know, Kyle McCor, Drew Allen, just like, you didn't have to face CJ Stroud this year. Granted they beat CJ Stroud in the past, but you didn't have to face anyone special. So, um, you know, it made it a little bit easier, but yes, uh, when we were talking about the quarterback race, uh, I think it's a good way to transition. I think both of them, right. We talk about as, as fallers panics and McCarthy can, can McCarthy, can, do you think he can come out? after the way he's played the second half of the season, not saying he's played poorly. He just won a national championship went undefeated, but he did throw, you know, went 10 of 18 for 140 passing yards last night and just hasn't done much. The second half of the season.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think he really, I don't think he can come out. I just don't think it's going to make sense for him to do that. Cause we talked about already where we view Penix and Bo Nix and those guys, but to be frank, I mean, I, I kind of feel better about those guys than JJ McCarthy at this point. And it's not that like McCarthy obviously has like, more some more talent to work with. There's more upside there because you haven't seen him run necessarily the most traditional offense in the world. And he does have some really impressive throws, especially rolling to his right. That being said, there were a couple overthrows in that game. There were a couple missed opportunities. There were times where he I think held the ball too long. And we've seen like the crazy turnover stuff he's done in the past, where he almost has a turnover to then Caleb Downs last week. He had the Bowling Green game for some reason that happened earlier this year, and and then you had the Maryland game where getting I think he was banged up, but was clearly baited and outplayed by that secondary a couple times in that game. Uh, I I don't think he can come out. I really just don't think it would be happening. He had to have one or two big games against Ohio State. Washington, Alabama, Iowa's defense. And he has like good counting stats against Alabama. But if you watch that game, with the exception of maybe one or two drives towards the end there, it, it wasn't a great overall performance.
0: No, I agree. I just, the only way I could see it making sense was if Harbaugh were to go to a team and it would have to be like the Raiders who aren't picking one, two, or three, where you sit there and Harbaugh takes that job. And, you know, they're really fighting for Antonio Pierce. But here's something that's interesting. Har- Harbaugh hired Tom Brady's former agent, Don Yee. Tom Brady has a stake in the Raiders and in Vegas and the Aces and all of that. And is this all being orchestrated for Harbaugh to be the head coach of the Raiders? I don't know. Because Antonio Pierce, the team really wants to bring him back. But does Mark, you know, d- does Mark Davis just say Harbaugh is the guy? And then does Harbaugh say, because he loves J.J. McCarthy, thinks he's the best quarterback in Michigan history. And does he say, if you're there in the first round, I'm taking you no matter what. And then how does McCarthy not come out? But outside of that, I I don't see it. I I just don't. I I think he's a good player. And I think at one point in time when they were playing really bad teams, he looked really good. It's just like, where are these, you know, the flashes are good, but like, you know he didn't he, he they didn't ask him to do anything about against Penn State. He had a couple of good throws against Ohio State. Managed the game well enough, I thought he managed the game well enough against Alabama. But he's just a college game manager with decent tools. But how can you draft someone like that in the first round when you haven't seen it the way you 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 see Michael Penix throwing the ball all over all over the place? There are some concerns, right, Bo Nix? I know they throw the ball more, but every. Second, third throw is a screen pass. You know, there's a lot of easy things. So maybe if he plays in the senior bowl, like that could give a good indication of where he's at. But I just think he has to go back to school. And if it's Harbaugh or if it's Sharon Moore, whoever they bring in to be the head coach, it's we're throwing the ball more next year. And let's go get some weapons in the portal because you know, he's never, how is he going to be able to have a stock next year? It's going to be more of the same. And why change? You went undefeated and, you know, didn't have to break a sweat all year, you know, outside of like a couple, you know, d- plays in Alabama game. They like really were in control every week. So I don't know with him, but I, I just don't see how you're a first round prospect um, out, outside of Harbaugh going to the NFL and saying he's taking you. So I, I think with the quarterback group, Yeah, I think Penix and McCarthy playing poorly helps our guy Cam Ward. I I think you know he's gonna. It's gonna help him. It's gonna help Michael Pratt. Um, and you know, and and we'll see with them all.
1: Yeah, I again, he's gonna go back to school. I think he's gonna follow kind of what Quinn Ewers is gonna do, and they're both gonna go back. Quinn, because I think he has a lot to gain. So does McCarthy too. But I think Quinn, like the path for that to happen, is very obvious at Texas. Versus, I, I just don't think there's nearly enough for McCarthy to go out and be a first round pick. I don't know if there's enough for him to be a, a top fifty guy right now. To be honest with you, uh, there's so much we don't know about him being a high volume passer in a meaningful football game. So I, I think he, I think he has to go back. I think you're right.
0: Yeah, uh, it's it's a weak, It's become a weak, weaker quarterback class out through the top three. But I just still don't know if it's worth it. And when you at, when you look at the grouping, because football is done. So your pre Shrine Bowl because that's that's the start. We are done with the in season stuff. And you know we'll have to review everyone's tape and everything and go back and do final evaluation. But everything we've seen, the season is over. All the quarterback play is done until the Shrine Bowl. We're not going to see another relevant quarterback, and the only one there for the most part, pretty much, is Cam Ward. Is Ward your quarterback four right now or even quarterback three? I don't know if you had him ahead of Daniels or
1: No, I think I still lean, I think I lean Daniels to be a bit higher, but I do think Ward is firmly in that QB four debate because of the tools he has, which makes him not getting a senior bowl invite right now even more perplexing, I would say. It's cause just cause he's got all the physical tools in the world to be that kind of player. So I do find it. Odd uh, that he's not getting a little bit more attention going into the strap process, but it is what it is. I think he's got to make the best of what he has right now. Uh, he's definitely up there. I think the QB4 debate, he's the guy who I lean into heavily because, again, we know what he can do. We've seen it against Oregon and against Washington. We've seen that play where he's out dual these guys who are getting far more attention. Uh, but, yeah, right now, I, I'm still leaning Jay Daniels above him. And then it's Cameron Ward, and then you kind of hit that drop where you get into that Penix, Bone Nicks, Spencer Rattler, Michael Pratt kind of range.
0: Yeah, I think with Ward, it may be, and we I think we saw this with Aiden O'Connell. It's just there's no way they're taking all of those quarterbacks last year over Aiden O'Connell. Even if you weren't as high on Aiden O'Connell, it's just like those the guys they brought. Not all of them were better than him, but he may have committed the same way. Zay Flowers going to the Shrine Bowl, right? he just committed there. And I think the Shrine Bulls done a better job of getting guys to stay with them. And maybe he wasn't given an initial invite to the shrine or, you know, they really recruited him and pursued him because they're inviting Sam, Hart- nothing against Sam Hartman, but they're invite at this point, they're inviting Sam Hartman. And we know cam Ward is a hundred times the prospect cam Ward would be my number one senior bowl quarterback. Right. And he's not there. So he's going to go to the shrine and, I mean, he's my guy in this year's class. He's your guy. You were the first one on him. You you ran that train and and I, and I, uh I jumped aboard. So uh, I, I think, it, I, I, I don't know, but I, I think he's going to creep up and hopefully maybe he's the fourth, first round pick or an early two. We'll see. So
1: we can really hope for the first round part. I really hope if he, if he ends up being a first round pick, I'll be so happy.
0: Yeah, no, it, it's, he outplayed Bo Nix. He outplayed Michael Penix. He was unbelievable against Oregon State. He dealt with you know the 129th or whatever rushing offense in the country. Like this, this run game was awful. I felt like in the second half, play calling and you know just decisions to take the ball out of Cam's hands were questionable. You know he outplayed Shador Sanders when they played each other. I know Shador got hurt, but he killed, He was much better in that game. I think you know the highs are so high with him. And I think if you put him in Oregon or Washington's offense this year, he's talked about as a top ten pick. I just think being at Washington State and playing with 10 players around you who won't sniff the NFL, it makes things harder on you. But I kind of like that. And I know you have to take him away from the offense that he's been in, but everything he does, I think he processes decently well. He had you know, like he he has the arm talent, he extends plays well. I- think he's got a lot of translatable tools and so we'll see it at the shrine Bowl. But, but yeah right now I, I think based off of just Penix coming back down to earth mccarthy probably being a candidate to definitely go back to school still having questions with you know just Knicks in general I mean, he, I, to me he stands alone as the guy you want someone with upside like as you mentioned you brought you brought up atlanta in the second round that would be awesome you know uh, going to a team like that with those kind of weapons, I think it could really work. I know Arthur Smith's no longer there, but uh, a team like that, it would be fun to see him.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, also going into a first-year head coaching situation, I don't think would be bad either because you kind of get to grow together then in that situation. And then he's your guy as the head coach or general manager. You know, there's a commitment there. So if that happens, that wouldn't be the worst scenario in the world. And you know, we're we're holding hope. For a first-round pick, but I don't. If you're not getting a senior Bull invite, chances are you're probably not going to be that guy. But again, I, I really, I've loved Cameron Worth with the whole process. And I think that he has a chance to be that QB for pretty clearly, too.
0: Yeah. And yeah, you know, Some I'm not as big of a fan of like age and everything, but like he's younger than Caleb Williams. It's not like he's an old prospect at all. I mean, if you go through, I mean, obviously, Pennix and Nix, they're going to be 24-year-old rookies. He's right around the same age as J.J. McCarthy as well. This was the point, basically, in the careers of Bo Nix and Michael Penix where they decided to transfer, and then it took them two years to get to the point where they are today. And, and Ward came is younger to the position, having not played in one of these traditional high school offenses. That's why he had to go to incarnate Word killed it there, goes to Washington State. He's played with nothing around him. He's been at his best when you know weapons have caught passes from him and, and done a good job in that regard. So, yeah, um, uh, it's going to be interesting to follow this grouping of seven, eight quarterbacks, because I think that's really all there are in this year's class. We'll see. Maybe McCarthy does come out, but uh, more questions and answers with him. So uh, we'll see there. But, yeah, uh, enough quarterback race talk with the other guys. I feel like we've talked a lot about them and less about Caleb, Drake, and Jaden. But an exercise I wanted to do being that the NFL regular season is over, a top 10 is established. And I think it it can become tougher before free agency to try and map up the entire first round because teams will fill holes where we were plugging in guys who you know, because after pick 15-16 or just top 16 on our big boards, you're going to get guys who aren't blue chip or even first round talents. So that's more, you know, filling needs and, and, and everything related to that. But in the top 10, you're taking really good players. So free agency is not impacting anything. We talked about before the show, the team, you know, goes out and gets a, a, a wide receiver and offensive lineman. It's not going to prevent them from taking Joe all or, you know, Marvin Harrison jr. That's just not what's going to happen. So when looking at it, you know, the bears are sitting there at one. And they really did a great job with that trade. You know, I, I think if the uh, Panthers took CJ Stroud and he killed it the way he's killing it in Houston, maybe it wouldn't look the same. But you know, Bryce Young's struggles uh, have made it look better. And you know, DJ Moore is awesome. You have the first pick in the draft. They got you know, a lot out of it. So uh, here, I'll I'll give you my thoughts first, and I want yours. I think Polls has to take a quarterback. I know Peter King's reporting he wants to trade it. I think the team really likes Justin Fields. But here's the thing. Poles didn't draft Fields, so we don't know what his initial thoughts were. For the majority of his career, and I'll, you know, through a large part of this season, he has really struggled to win as a passer and just win in general. You know, like he just not, hasn't seemed to, to have done a good job of winning games. And so polls, all right, it's after year three. You're going to have to decide on the fifth year option. So you have to give it to him if you're not going to take a quarterback at one. And then what happens if Fields plays horribly next year? You know, Everfloos is coming back, but I don't have confidence in him at all. If it doesn't work next year, then you're fired. But if you take Caleb Williams or Drake May, who we don't necessarily view as generational prospects, but they're pretty damn close to (laughs) being, they're as good as you get for a quarterback class. And you know, they're just as good as last year's guys in the 2020 group. So, you have an opportunity to start fresh and you get at least two more years with them. And if God forbid they're any good, you get three, four, five, and then you know, it could really change the makeup of your career. Think about Nick Casario taking CJ Stroud at two. He went from a guy that was like, This is it, he's done after this year to now he looks like a genius. Tank Dell, Nico, Nico Collins finally developed. It's like these guys who weren't even like, a part of that second pick are starting to develop. And he looks like one of the young up and coming GMs where this time last year, we were saying this is it for Casario where we could be having that conversation with polls and you know, like the 20, you know, 2025 draft. I can't even say I'm saying that like the quarterback group just won't be as good as this year. So I think you have to take a quarterback. Yeah. I don't know if they will, but what are your thoughts there?
1: Yeah. I mean, just fields has certainly developed this year, but you don't, Want to get drawn in to signing a guy to a potentially long term deal because it would have you would have to bring him back with the idea he's going to be there for a couple of years. You don't want to bring a guy back based on what a little over half a season worth of quality play, which is I think is what you would consider fields this year. I don't think it was a full season with great, great play. Uh, it's tough. I mean, they're in a situation where if they trade him away and he's good somewhere else, they look like idiots. And if they keep him and let like may or Williams go and he doesn't do well, and he's not here on the roster four years from now, they look like idiots and there's just no, there's really not a great way to win. You kind of just have to pick a side and bet on it. And I think I would lean towards drafting a new quarterback. Cause you consider if you were dropping Caleb Williams and Drake may back into that 2021 draft, I do think that they would be ranked higher than fields on the board. I think they built be ranked higher than Trey Lance was on the board and also higher than Mac Jones. So you consider that these guys are rated as higher prospects than Fields was coming out. Fields has certainly developed over the course of his career, but is he a a league winner right now? Is he a guy who's going to be able to take you and get this team to the playoffs based on where they're at right now? I don't think so. I don't think he's there. I I think he's a quality NFL player. He could be a starter for the next six years of his career, but I don't know that he's going to be ever be like that top 12 quarterback that you kind of need to make a playoff push. I think you could get that in Drake main Caleb Williams. I don't know that fields is that. And again, like you mentioned, it's also comes down to the front office in terms of their ability to extend their tenure there. The number one job is always to not lose the job. <laughs> so I think that's what they really have to work on. And getting a new quarterback in the building certainly extends their opportunities and gives them a longer runway than if you stick with fields. And again, I, I don't want to insult Fields because he has played well for good portions of the season, despite still not having the best supporting cast. But Long-term outlook, I think it's beneficial for this team to go a different direction.
0: Because you have to trade back. And, right, you look at the top 10. I mean, maybe you trade back to three and New England moves up. But, like, outside of that, like, you're really not going to get Marvin Harrison Jr. uh, if you trade back farther than probably four. And at that point, is it worth it? And then also, what's your ceiling with Fields? Right. What is your ceiling? How many games are you gonna win with him at the most? You can trade him for a pick. Even if it feels like they trade him to Atlanta for a two, two, a, a two this year and a two next year, let's just say. And he's good, but Caleb Williams is also good. Nobody cares. Or Drake May is also good. It's not gonna be what we trade you also, you you extend you extend your longevity of your job and If you bring back field and it doesn't necessarily work out in one of the right, here's the thing. This is different than last year. If there are three quarterbacks at the top, if Caleb Drake or Jaden Daniels are good, you're done. You're fired because you passed up on one of those three because, right, whoever is good, people are going to consider that's who you should have taken, even though that's not how it works. Right. Like every single team who was traded up to one was going to take Bryce young, including the Houston Texans who ended up lucking out and getting CJ Stroud. So like, it's just, and so be like, how, how did they pass? like even some people were critiquing polls. Like, how did you pass up on CJ Stroud? Right. It's like, that's the only way that I think you keep Justin Fields is if you evaluate Daniels, May and Caleb Williams, and you don't really like them that much, whether it be, Hey, this is—I don't like this part of May's game. I don't think he's going to translate well. I don't think this works with Daniels, Williams. I don't like this aspect of his game. But between the three of them, you gotta like one, right? And you just take them, and that's who you believe in. Like Brian Pols, you trust your ability as an evaluator, and you take that player at one.
1: Yeah, let's let's put it this way: you went seven and ten this year. You need to have a winning record next year. Who gives you the best chance of doing that? Essentially, you, you want to be nine and eight next year, or at least eight, eight and nine. Like you want to show some level of growth. You cannot be seven and 10 again next year.
0: No. And I, I
1: think, and, and be safe. I think
0: Caleb Williams does it. And just say they win six, seven games, but he sh- like, he shows to be like an Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud type. Yeah, that, that works. It's like you can't get, you can't fire the GM after he takes a quarterback who's successful because things have been turning in the right direction anyway. So now, if you build off of it with a rookie quarterback, Right, you only have two. You only have one more year of Justin Fields on a rookie contract, I and mean, we see how much easier it is to win when you have a quarterback on a rookie deal. So I think you go quarterback at one. Uh, for you know, I, I would do I would go Caleb. Uh, he'd be my pick. Uh, I I think Drake May would also be a great option. I don't know if you feel like one, you know, because I don't know if Luke Getzies back. Right, he has. I don't think he's been a very good offensive coordinator especially if you have a new quarterback coming in. I think they try and get someone new. But yeah, to me, Caleb's, Caleb's got to be the pick. But I, I, I wouldn't be mad if they took Drake May either. You know, a lot, a lot of people have Drake ahead of him.
1: Yeah, it can be a bit of a coin flip for me. I think that the Bears are kind of scarred from their Mitchell Trubisky days. They don't want to take another UNC quarterback. Uh, so I think that, and let's be honest, these front offices, they do sometimes play into what the public wants to some extent. We've seen it happen before, even though obviously it shouldn't, but it happens sometimes. Uh, I, I think that Williams would be the pick there for Chicago at one. And that takes us to two with Washington, where kind of obvious Drake may would be the pick, which I know is, is weird because Sam Howell is, is there right now. And he's his predecessor at UNC, <laughs> but I, I don't want, I I'm not what you want me to tell you. Like he's, it's gotta be, Howell has not been good enough this year to keep around and, and be a starter long-term. It's, that's pretty obvious. I shouldn't have to go too far into that. May is good. May has got a little bit more mobility, I think, in the pocket. They don't have the best offensive line, so he's going to be able to move around a little bit more. They have great weapons who so have all kind of regressed a little bit because they haven't been able to get them the ball. Jahan Dotson was really up and down this year. Tam McLaurin is potentially an all-pro caliber player who just barely scripts by 1,000 yards every season because he doesn't have a quarterback. Uh, new ownership as well, as you mean, new coaches too. I think it's just a good time to hit the full reset button. Howell can still be there because he's proven to be a good enough backup kind of player. But you need to get a quarterback in there if you're Washington. There's no one you want in free agency. There's no one you want to trade for. Just go draft Rick May.
0: Yeah, no, I think Howell could be an elite back or quarterback. And no, you usually like a guy with experience, but to have him as a fifth round pick on a rookie contract as your backup for two more years, We'd be great, and I, I think he could do that. Yeah, I, I don't see how a new front office, a new coaching staff doesn't take a, a quarterback at two. I don't even know what you would do because, yes, tackle is an option, but I, I think it's, it's, it's Drake or it's Jaden
1: Daniels. That's what I think it is. I don't I'm sorry. You're probably, you're probably getting a weird look on my face right now because uh, Mason Smith just declared for the 2024 NFL Draft.
0: Oh my god. We had another we got a we never did his report, which is interesting. You know, we were holding no. out and
1: it, ma- it made us look like geniuses. We were like, God, so it's fine. We don't have to do his report. He didn't have a good year. We don't have to worry about him until next year. I, I
0: thought I thought that weird look was you know, me saying that they should take Drake or Jaden Daniels. And you're like, no, nah, they gotta go, they gotta reset with a tackle, new, new front office, new ownership, new head coach. Go take Joe Altad, dude No, it's good. Wow, I can't believe Mason Smith declared. Not He's got upside and everything, but it was for next year, so we'll see there. But yeah, I think I think Drake's the pick at two. Would you be surprised if Jaden Daniels isn't on the board at three? Or let's like, what are the chances? There, there's, there's, there's two. Yeah, like,
1: I wouldn't be stunned, but
0: man, like, I just don't know how between, you.
1: Can, I would say between thirty and forty percent. Like right now, I would say uh, maybe that's a little high. Twenty-five to like forty-two percent chance he's he's gone in the top two. It's not, it's not fifty-fifty. It's lower than that. But yeah, I think yeah. there's still reasonable odds that he goes somewhere in the top two.
0: Yeah, because I and I can't fault and like you evaluate just because I I think there's such a big gap between the top two and Jaden. But that doesn't mean I don't think Jaden's not a good player, not worthy that New England shouldn't take him at three. But I just. The the top two to me are so good. I just don't know.
1: Yeah, which which, to be clear, if New England has a new head coach or at least a very a new general manager, and Bill relinquishes general manager responsibilities, which I I don't know if he can, I don't know if he can do that. Frankly, at this point in his career, without also getting fired as the coach. But regardless, whatever change happens in New England, I think it would be conducive to get a new quarterback in, obviously, and. You cannot run this back with Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi. Jane Daniels, you you kind of have to take him. You're kind of boxed into a corner where you have to make Jane Daniels the pick at number three. Unless you feel like you want to trade for Kirk Cousins and Cousins will come back and hopefully be healthy off of, out of torn Achilles. I don't know. I mean, that's the only that's the only other option. I think it's reasonable. Uh, you want to trade for Justin Fields? I, I don't know. Like, it's kind of a tough situation. Maybe you trade a second-round pick for Justin Fields and draft Marvin Harrison Jr. with third overall pick. I don't know. But I think if, if, you're not, if you're not spending significant assets on a quarterback in for agency or through a trade process, you have to draft one.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think it ends up... I, and I don't even think there's a trade-up option if they like one of the other guys better because I don't think either one of those teams is going to allow you to trade up because we don't know who Chicago... It's not like caleb's drake trevor lawrence and it's not like drake is trevor lawrence where it's like it's done or andrew luck where it doesn't matter they're the first pick like you could like any of these three i wouldn't be stunned if Jaden went one like i just wouldn't i don't i would never do it but i would be less stunned than if you know someone went ahead of trevor lawrence his draft fourth cardinals i think you know three quarterbacks off the board it's gotta be marvin right i don't know if there's anywhere else you could go
1: yeah, I just keep it simple, right? Like don't don't overthink it. Just take him there. You're gonna have opportunities because they have multiple other picks in the top sixty, I believe. I think they have two other picks. So you're gonna have chances to go around get an edge rusher. If you wanna get in our alignment, you'll have a chance there. You wanna get a cornerback, which you need as well. You'll have opportunities to get these players, even a receiver too. He's you think Marquise Brown's free agent, you'll have your chances to get your guys later on. But again, You wouldn't need a receiver because you get Marvin Harrison Jr., the best guy in this draft class. Simple pick. Just chalk it up.
0: Yeah, we see it. These teams with these wide, like Jamar Chase and, you know, Stephon Diggs, what they've done for quarterbacks. You know, I know Kyler has a lot of experience and has played a lot of football, but I think he's never really or at least as of late, because early on, I guess. But like, he hasn't had that elite number one wideout. So him, if you get Marvin, Trey McBride's there. Michael Wilson showed a little bit this year. Like, you took Parrish Johnson to be your left tackle. I don't. I think it's overkill to take another. D.J. Humphreys can survive as long as he wants to keep playing. I know he's a, a little bit on the older side, but I don't know why he wouldn't. The interior is not great, but like, you're not taking anyone there. Yeah. Like, I think Gannon would like to take a pass rusher. I just think four may be a little too early and to pass up on Marvin Harrison Jr. and Monty Austin for what he did last year uh, was really impressive to me getting Paris Johnson in, in, in the first and how he orchestrated all of that to get the extra first-round pick and everything. I don't think anyone thought Houston would be as good as they were. I don't think Houston thought Houston would be as good as as they've been. And then, to, you know, Ojalari, Garrett Williams has shown out. Uh, Michael Wilson, uh, they, they're in a good spot. So I think Marvin would be a perfect pick. Chargers at five. This is where I think it really starts. Uh, I think it. I would go neighbors here. I think not that Quentin Johnston's a lost cause, but whoever... The new GM is to not draft Quentin Johnson, and he has to evaluate everyone in the same way and see Keenan Allen's not getting any younger. And Mike Williams and Quentin Johnson just don't bring what neighbors does. So I, I think that, you know, go get Justin Herbert, a, a, a true number one receiver that they're going to not have once. And I, I don't even know if you consider Keenan that at this
1: point. Yeah, I think Keenan was that this year, but he also missed time again, and he's kind of had some injuries that are starting to build up. He's older. Uh, you do need to start preparing to move on, and you can't count on Quentin Johnson. You can't count on Mike Williams, unfortunately, because of the injuries. If you had all those guys healthy together, that's a solid receiver room. But again, the injuries, I think even, even a guy in you know, their backup receiver think mm. got hurt this year. Yeah. They've had a bunch of stuff happen in that wide receiver room. So neighbors make sense. I would also throw out their right tackle as an option. If you feel really good about one of these right tackles, Justin Herbert has been hurt every year of his career. I remember him basically having like a broken rib against the Chiefs one year, I think two years ago or a year ago. Uh, he's been banged up consistently. They spent money and assets on that wide res- on that offensive line. And some of them hit and some of them haven't. Uh, Corey Lindsley recently retired. He missed most of this year, but he retired from the NFL, your former All-Pro center. So you're going to have to restart on that line again. I think right tackle is going to be or should be a priority for them going forward, considering the state of Justin Herbert's physical health the past couple of years.
0: You're on the clock. You're the Chargers. Who are you taking between neighbors and a tackle? Or in which tackle would that be?
1: Uh, I would probably let me let me pull up the Chargers draft picks real quick, because I think. It comes down to do you think you can get a receiver in the second round? Because Trey. I don't know you can. I don't, I don't know you would feel comfortable trying to get a starting right tackle in the second round of this no. year's draft. It's a really good class, but I don't know that you would feel comfortable with that.
0: And, you know, uh, and, P- and Trey Pipkins, the right tackle, he's not good, but they are paying him some money for next year. And I think he's it was 90 years what he got, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember what the cap hit number is. Not enough to not move on, but I, I don't know if that impacts anything.
1: Yeah, he did get three years, twenty one point seven million dollars. The dead the dead cap would be nine and a half million next year. If you're starting a first year of new regime, that's nothing really. But you could keep him on the roster too, and hey, you even pay a first round salary for a guy. They pick a again at thirty seven. I mean, you know, I love. Amarie Mims a lot. (laughs) I think that if if, uh, yeah, it's it's still a little tape on him, but I would if a team feels the way about a a Joel that I feel about Amarius Mims, I would just make the tackle pick here and then Mm -hmm. take the wide receiver in the second round.
0: Yeah, no, it's odd because we're not as high on all and he seems to be kind of the pick, but Mims would be the one I'd want to take. And uh, I think you know having Rashawn and him as bookends and then trying to get go receiver in the second round. Yeah, I just don't know if... I think it's really how do you feel about Quentin Johnson? Because if you still think he could be a one or a quality two, like Herbert can work with not having elite, elite weapons where it doesn't make sense to then upgrade and have unbelievable tackle play. Because if Mims hits in the way we think he can hit, I mean, Slater's going to come back and be fully 100% next year. He was really good this year, but I think, you know, he'll take the jump next year. I mean, he'll never have pressure from the outside because I think Mims and Slater will be the best tackle duo in the league by year three for Mims. So um, we'll see. But so you'd go then six, right? Giants, it's do they receive our offensive tackle?
1: I think, you know, Evan, another team, Whoever doesn't get taken at five goes at six. <laughs> That's <laughs> simple. Like whoever doesn't get taken at five goes at six. It's either neighbors or it's the top right tackle in the draft. That's kind of how I view it. Obviously, they have Evan Neal with the, the high pick in. He he's been, I mean, Andrew Thomas has been hurt on the other side, so you're kind of worried about both tackle spots. But Thomas is going to be an all pro. He's just not playable on the right side. Like you have to like Neil is not playing at a level of a starting NFL offensive line. You can try him at guard. He's a big guy, so I don't know if the bye type would fit. But you have to move him off tackle. I don't think you can be going next year being consistently, like thinking that this guy's going to start 17 games for you and that you're going to be in a good spot. Uh, You also have maybe a quarterback problem as well at this point because you've played yourself a bit out of the top three QB situation. And you have a wide receiver problem. So if you're the Giants, you're probably not playing a lot of winning football next year on the offensive side of the ball. I would just take best player available. It would be either the top right tackle or neighbors.
0: I agree. Yeah. Na- uh, Andrew Thomas is a superstar at left tackle. John Michael Schmidt really slugger- struggled at center. They've got no guard talent. Right? They were, it was a revolving door there all season. Tyree Phillips and you can even argue Matt Parrott to a certain extent outplayed <laughs> Evan Neal. He was that bad you know you just took him with the 7th pick though are you just going to be too confident that he's going to be able to write the ship because we've seen it in the past but i just i mean he was he was even worse this year than i mean it was just if not worse it was just as bad as last year where he's he's not a starting right tackle in the nfl and hasn't shown he can be and is a complete liability i just I, yeah i can't see him passing on a receiver um are a team that i think can wait on a I don't, right? It goes back to can you wait on a tackle? But are these receivers going to be too enticing to pass up on? I would go personally, I, I guess I'd go neighbors because they really need receiver help. I think, you know, Hyatt, Hyatt showed enough as a rookie, but you, you know, if Waller comes back, you the Hyatt neighbors, you know, and, and, and Saquon, and you hope that someone falls to the second. You could trade back into the first, though. And try and get someone as well. But do you take a stab at a Patrick Paul, you know, Kingsley, one of those guys falls? I guess that could be their outlook. But I guess I'd go I'd go receiver. Um just because I, I I just think that they'll they'll probably want to give Evan Neal one more shot, being he was the seventh pick, even though he's been the worst right tackle in the league pretty much every time he stepped foot on the field.
1: Yeah, I can I can understand that. I can understand why you give him another year. So that make that doesn't make sense to me. And you've been trying to get wide receiver right for forever. So I, I understand why you want to prioritize receiver there. But the team that's picking uh, after them at seven, the Titans are another team that. Hey, your offensive line, you could use maybe two, three new starters, and you could also use a couple new wide receivers because you drafted a guy high in Traylon Burks who hasn't really materialized, you have a situation at quarterback they're going to try out I think for a year with a new head coach because they fi- uh, they're, they're able to left the organization today. So today being Tuesday, uh, you're going to have a new head coach. He's probably going to give Will Elvis a year, maybe two years, I'm probably not two years, probably just a year to prove that he's the guy and then they'll look for a new quarterback in 2025 if he's not it. I think you start building it from the foundation of the supporting cast. Again, this is either tackle or wide receiver I think at this point, Neighbors is gone by this point. It's either going to be Odunze, or it's going to be Alt or Mims, I think would be the best tackle available by now. One of those guys. Uh, I don't think we're quite into JC, J.C. Latham or Tyler Guyton range just yet. So I think you'd be looking at Alt, Mims, or Odunze.
0: Yeah. And, you know, depending on if Alt goes, if it goes neighbors, then Fish, uh, then Alt then maybe
1: Fashanu's there or, or something. I think they have to go offensive tackle. Um, I, I just... I to- you know, I'll be honest with you. I totally forgot about Fashanu for an entire, like, five minutes of this podcast. I just absolutely forgot he was in this draft and it just came back to me. They're you know, like, yeah, let's not mess around. I think this would be Fashanu. I think Fashanu would be above Odoon's name, would ranked above the area right tackles. I think it'd just be Fashanu in this pick.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I think that Fashano, if he's available, uh, you know we're not as high on alt, but I just think you need tackle help. Uh, you know, because right, Traylon Burks has been a complete bust. Uh, he is—you can't count on him to be a wide receiver. But I just think you have to go free agency. They're going to have the second most amount of cap space in the league, projecting, and there's ways to work around it. But Dillard and Dylan Raiden's like. Maybe you can survive with Raidens at right tackle. He was better down the stretch, but like you need a new left tackle because between Dillard and Jalen Duncan, I mean, they was a turnstile, and every single play they were getting beat. And so like the interior has to get better too. They have the, I mean, their offensive line is so bad. Skaronski is their best offensive lineman. He was a rookie, and he he was he had some good games in week eighteen. He was uh, pretty impressive, but he had some really bad games too. So if he's your best offensive lineman. As a rookie, you're hoping he can take a jump, but I think having a good left tackle helps. So, yeah, I think they go tackle. Yeah, and they.
1: Yeah, I, I think tackle for sure. And Fashano would be the guy for me here. Uh, I just didn't project him earlier because, again, the they're more looking for right tackles for the teams like the Chargers, the Giants, they have established all pro caliber left tackles. The Titans don't have any established tackles. I think they traded for Andre Dillard from the Eagles. I don't know what they were really expecting in that outcome. Dillard hadn't caught on it at all in Philadelphia. He drafted Jalen Duncan. I think we saw him at the senior bowl, and he just didn't have the build really of an NFL tackle, a classic NFL tackle. He looked more like a, a big tight end to some extent. Uh yeah, it's got I mean it's someone on the someone on the end here. Right tackle, left tackle, just someone to start building your offensive line around and get two quality starters in him and Skronsky on the field at the same time.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be mad if they went wide receiver because they do need receiver help. But I just think the value will be there more for them in the second round at wide receiver for what they're looking for than tackle because you got to protect. You know, Levis is young. He's already been hurt a few times this year because, man, like they're doing like Whatever they're doing, their O line, or it's just been horrible, right? I mean, but think about their first rounders they've taken: Traylon Burks, Isaiah Wilson, Caleb Farr. Like, none of these guys have panned out. Now, if Rabel's fired, I would have thought JC Latham would have been that probably if Alt and Fashano were off the board, he'd be their target, uh, just with the way they've been running the ball. But yeah, like Derek Henry is going to be gone. So I think they can change up their style of offense, especially with a new head coach. So yeah, I think, you know, Four, five, six, and seven is all tackle wide receiver. I don't see any other position that can be targeted for any of those teams. You know, I guess maybe four, you know, Cardinals, but like the end, I just think it's wide receiver. I think two receivers and two tackles. Neighbors, Harrison, and then Alt Fashanu, unless the team is as high on Mims as we are.
1: Yeah, I I tend to agree with you in that order. There's not a lot of wiggle room here in terms of where you can go uh, outside of that grouping without really putting yourself in immediate jeopardy. Because at the top corners are not at this level. Uh, Brock Bowers is going to get thrown around because he's a special player. I have trouble mocking him in the top 10 just because we said the same thing about Kyle Pitts and Kyle Pitts. Granted, East, Kyle Pitts was an offense that refused to use him or any of the other weapons they pick. But, I mean, he's been disappointing. And I feel with all these receivers in this draft class, you're looking for receiving production in year one. There's a chance that wide receiver seven in this draft class is as productive catching the ball as Brock Bowers is. So I I have trouble mocking Brock in the top 10, despite definitely being the kind of prospect two in the past would be a top 10 pick. Maybe what? Definitely not an eight to Atlanta. I was going to say maybe double one June, this range just becomes available. Double up. Well, yeah, double or nothing, right? <laughs> uh, not to, not to Atlanta. Not to Chicago. They just played Cole Komet, and he's a solid player. And the Jets have bigger issues at 10 than tight end. So I think that Brock Bowers is an interesting player. Maybe someone trades up for him, but I I don't know there's a natural fit in the top 10.
0: Yeah, because Tennessee, I just... I would love for them to take Bowers, but I just think tackle is the bigger need. Like, I could understand if Neighbors is off, but then I think Odun's a really fits more than even Neighbors. But things are going to change a lot. But with, you know, the offense that they had previously, with Hopkins... And Odunze, they like those bigger targets. And uh, you know, Odunze is a special prospect as well. But let's just say for the sake of it, we have the Chargers taking a tackle, the Giants taking a receiver, and the Titans taking a tackle. So we'll we'll with Harrison at four. Five, we'll say, is let's just go alt to throw him off the board. Six to the Giants is neighbors, seven is Fashanu, eight Atlanta. Do you take Odunze? Is that your pick? Or you look in defense? You know, O line is perfect. They've got as good of an offensive line in the league as you could possibly have. You have a tight end in Kyle Pitts, who, you know, hopefully a new head coach will and a new offensive staff will use him because he's very talented. You have the running back group. We 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 saw a lot of Tyler Algier this year, so we, we know he's good as well, in addition to Bijan. And then you have Drake London at receiver. You know, they don't have a true number one pass rusher. Yeah, they could still use a little secondary help. Uh, you know, where, do you, where do you think Atlanta goes here at eight?
1: I think this is a prime trade down spot, to be honest with you. I think this is where you might see a team kind of get up to get an Odunze or someone like that. Or there's always teams that also fall in love with a specific guy. Maybe this is a team that goes to get Brock Bowers, the team that gets Odunze at the top corner, maybe. Uh, I don't love the value here for Atlanta. With their current situation, I think I would just take Godunze, just take the best player in offense and load up on that side of the ball and try to figure things out at quarterback this year. You might be the team that trades for Justin Fields. Just try to give him the best offensive supporting cast possible. Uh, If you go defensively, look, Nate Williams is my corner one. I recognize it's not going to be the same for everyone else out there. A lot of people are going to say Terry and Arnold. I think that you would try to get that secondary up. You have a lot of young players in that group. Uh, I think you would try to target the secondary because the edge talent is is good in this class, but it's more. I say mid first round is really when the edge guys start coming off the board. I think corners will go higher.
0: Yeah, because you you know you do have Jesse Bates and AJ Terrell in the secondary, but you know how comfortable are you with Clark Phillips next year being the starter? And do you want to put him in the nickel or do you want to keep him outside? I know you were a huge fan of Clark Phillips, so I think I know where you'd you'd stand on that. But right, like, and the other safety spot is needed. Obviously, no linebacker would be here. Yeah, I could see him going past Ruster, but just look at the receiver room and it's like after Drake London, there really is nothing. So if you do trade a two for Justin Fields, do you get Odunze and Drake London and you get them some, you know, bigger wide receivers to, to throw to and then kind of like that offense with London, Odunze, Pitts, Bijan, you could argue, you know, a top one to three offensive line in the league. Does it, you know, it doesn't make sense to go. I think I would I think I would lean Odunze over defense because at the end of the day, this 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 Terry Fontenot and this this front offense has obviously valued skilled players very highly. And we've seen where they value Drake London would make me think they'd probably be higher on Odunze than even neighbors, you know, just you know, valuing London ahead
1: of Garrett Wilson and you know Olave and those guys. So uh, that would be my guess would be
0: Odunze at
1: eight. Yeah, I agree with you. I think he's probably the top priority of that situation. Uh Chicago then on the board again at nine. So they've got their quarterback already. They have the new quarterback. They got presumably a second round pick from trading Justin Fields. So they have more ammo later on in this draft class at some point. Oh, where do you go now? I mean, you you got to resign Jalen Johnson this offseason. Has to be done. And you're kind of saving money on that by getting a new rookie quarterback. Tyreek Stevenson's been up and down this year. You can't you could go corner here. Maybe I mean, this is probably the more likely a trade down spot. I we for sticking with the pick. man, you're kind of at the very edge of like the guys who I feel really comfortable with being high caliber, top 10 level players. This is a bit tricky.
0: Um, uh, he, here's my thought. I think they took Stevenson in the second round. He flashed, he Jalen Johnson, um, yeah, you have Brisker in the secondary as well. I think the secondary is good. Kyler Gordon, another guy they took in the second round, and Eddie Jackson is, is still there. Do you go? Pa- Do you go? Re- if Odunze, Neighbors, and Harrison Jr. are off the board here, which is what we project, is it pass rush? Is this where we see the first pass rusher go off the board? Because outside of Montez Sweat. It's not a good, like, right? Like, they don't really have a ton. Like, I don't think you really want Demarcus Walker at, at, as your guy of the future and want to have to continue to bring him back. Dravon Dexter in the interior. Every time I watched uh, Chicago's film, 99 always flashed a lot. I don't know if Jerzon Newton here would make a ton of sense, especially, you know, they took Pickens and Dexter really high last year. Is this where we see verse lots or Dallas turn off the board, or do you think they go with a wide receiver?
1: I think it's edge or receiver. I think it's way too early for any of these interior defensive linemen at this point. Uh, looking at the best available guys, oh boy. I mean, Jared verse is the edge who I like the most. Other remaining players, and if we're talking about the receiver who probably has the most talent and consistency of the available guys. I'm going off with the league thing. So it'd probably be Brian Thomas Jr. Wouldn't it? It'd be yes. the ultimate rise for the second LSU guy. Mm-hmm. I, I think that might be the pick here is Brian Thomas Jr.
0: Yeah. I just, you know, you right. It's going to make Paul's look like a genius if he trades Fields. So like ahead to Atlanta. Cause yeah, he's not going to be picking like the, I, I actually would be a higher second round pick. Cause the bears, flipping with you know because the Bears traded their pick to the commanders if they get Atlanta's pick they'll move have moved up a spot so be like Montez sweat for Justin Fields theoretically that they would do it all you know make him look smart I think with that second round pick is where you go wide receiver I think this is a little early for Brian Thomas in the top 10 uh, I really 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 like him but um yeah uh, I, I think that I Brian Thomas would be too early and I'd probably go edge rusher to pair with Montez Sweat because outside of him they have
1: nothing. Which one would you take then? Which of the edge group do you feel most comfortable with here at this spot?
0: Verse. Like he's he's my edge one. Yeah. He has been this entire process. I, I'm just not a fan of Dallas Turner. I really like Layatu Latu but just like with the I just don't I mean I guess the medicals just completely check out but I wonder right like is that going to be the case? I don't know, and I still think I would take Verse over him. Uh, both were, if both were clean prospects. I just, I think Verse got a bad rap for majority of the season because people just looked at box scores and he wasn't putting up the stats, so they just kept moving lower and lower. But he was, he was good all year. Just didn't lead to sacks, um, which doesn't always happen. But we saw it the year before, he had like nine and a half sacks. So, um, and he finished with like eight and a half or nine sacks this year. So Verse would be my pick, and I'd be really happy to pair him. With Montez Sweat, because you know, you gotta get after the quarterback, and I think he does the best job of that.
1: And that brings us to the, the Jets down at 10, who I, I mentioned have bigger knees than tight end. Uh I mean, I'll Al Tucker's coming back. Hopefully, gonna be healthy this year or this coming year. Uh, you got Joe Tippman's gonna be playing center going forward, and then the rest of your offensive line, I think, is up for grabs. I think your receiver room outside Garrett Wilson's up for grabs. It's a mess, to put it nicely. Uh, I, I don't really know that's going to be all fixable in one year. You're going to be putting a lot of weight on Aaron Rodgers to be able to figure things out for you as a team. I think you have to go offensive line here. There's really no other option, though, right?
0: So you have Tippman. On the, they could, they do need a guard because I don't, I don't know what happens with McGovern, but Titman will start. Vera Tucker, I don't know if he'll play right guard or right tackle. He's been good enough at right tackle. I don't know why, or a tackle in general. I don't know why you try and move him off of there. Do they get Becton back for like a one year deal? Because I, I, he hasn't been very good. Was he serviceable enough? I don't know what happens. I don't know where else he'd go. I wonder if. Rogers seemed to like him. I wonder if that relationship's, but like, you're not going to give back to more than a one year deal, just hasn't been able to stay on the field or be consistent. I would say tackles to play if Fashanu and Alt are off the board here at 10, because I still think it's too early for Ryan Thomas. This is where it's intriguing, because, right, is Bowers at, you know, Conklin's good, and I think Ruckert's a good two. They'll move off of CJ Uzoma. Uh, but Conklin's only got one more year left. And like, is it like Bowers could be a pretty big difference maker, even as a rookie and as a tight end to pair with Garrett Wilson? Or do you go tackle with Fashanu and all off the board? I know we'd take Mims here. And I think he could... He hasn't played any right tackle in his career. You might as well just move him to left, right? He's played neither in his college career for, for much time. You might as well take Mims and move him to left tackle. Um... Yeah, I guess I think I'd go. I I think they'd go tackle over wide receiver Brock Bowers here.
1: Yeah, I think you just kind of have to based off need. And and Rodgers might. Rodgers' mobility was already declining before this year, and you have the Achilles tear. So I think you have to go off its line here just out of necessity of trying to put all your eggs in the basket of protecting him. Because let's be honest, it'd be hard for that front office to move on in the post Aaron Rodgers era in New York. It'll be hard for them to recover if they don't do something pretty significant here this coming year. Uh, they're on the clock. I think taking off line, ensuring that whole lineup is probably the best chance you have moving forward to just hope Aaron Rodgers can create some magic with Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, and then whoever else is on the roster.
0: No, I, I agree. So they, they have talent. I, I think nine and 10 I don't think one through eight is traded unless the Falcons or is off the board. And I don't feel comfortable with any of these cornerbacks or pass rushers. But I think nine and 10, like Chicago trades back. Like, is it too early for us to take an edge rusher? I don't personally think so. I think Jared Verse would just be the pick. But if they think they like all three of them, might as well trade back and let a team come up. And then I think the Jets as well. There's a lot of tackles after whoever you view as the top two guys, which I think a lot of teams are going to have Fashano and all, it seems like, as the top two. Do they try and trade back? And is that a team moving up for Bowers? I will say with Bowers, right, it's hard to find a landing spot. But we said last year, you know, how high can B. John Robinson go? We know he's the best player or one of the best players in the draft. But can he really go, you know, top 15, top 20? He's a running back. They don't go in the first round anymore. And then he was a top 10 pick and went eighth overall. And it looked like he was going to may have had a chance to go 9 or even 10 as well. So, you know, Hawkinson, you know, went, you know, top 10. Uh, you know, Kyle Pitts went for. I know it seems to have not worked out where they end up leading to that kind of value. But do teams view Brock Bowers as, you know, potential Hall of Famer and say, we're taking him in the top 10 or we're trading up to get him because he's, you know, the, you know, he's our number one. I could see him being on a lot, of, like being team's number one ranked player on their board. Or number two behind Harrison Jr.
1: Yeah, I, I guess I could see it. I just don't value tendons <laughs> a lot. No, I guess it, I'm it, kind of alone.
0: Yeah, it's it, it's just hard. It's it's hard. Yeah, to I, see I it. think it it just hasn't worked out.
1: Yeah, it hasn't worked out. And the guy who has worked out for it, it's been guys like Laporta, Dalton Kincaid, Tucker Craft. Like it's it's guys who are not necessarily these top ten picks. I just don't know if you're going to get the value out of that. You take a player like that top ten.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. But again, was Bijan Robinson? Did he seem to be necessary this year for them? Tyler, Tyler Algier seemed to run the ball really well, and they even you know they they were using him in the red zone more. Who's running for the seventy five yard touchdown? It's Tyler Algier. So it's like, was he re- Is he really going to equate to the eighth pick? Is Saquon going to equate to the second pick? No, but it doesn't mean teams won't take him that high. Because you know, right? Like we view him as this level of a player. So, we're we going to take him. So, um, I don't know. But yeah, top 10, kind of where we're at. Pretty much quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tackles. Maybe an edge rusher thrown in there or a cornerback. I, I don't see anything else.
1: Yeah, I, it's not going to be a very diverse top 10, I don't think. It's going to be pretty straightforward. <laughs> yeah, maybe one trade, but
0: I think three quarterbacks, receiver, tackle, receiver, tackle, and then probably receiver again. So, we'll have like the top two tackles, top three receivers off the board by eight about by pick nine and then we'll see what the bears and jets decide to do but yep uh top 10 we'll see but uh i don't think it's gonna be like crazy crazy trades chaos it usually isn't there isn't uh, there isn't a ton of chaos but definitely not this year so prospects now that we've watched recently a lot of a lot of all defense a lot of secondary guys cameron kitchens defensive safety out of miami cole bishop safety out of utah Adrian Taylor-Demerson, defensive back from Texas Tech. Ty Smith, defensive back, Georgia. And then Gabriel Murphy, pass rusher from UCLA. Let's start with Kinchins at Miami. Your thoughts, and then how does he compare to Tyler Newbin? Because they seem to be most people's
1: top two safeties. Yeah, a big-name safety from over the summer. I gave him a late second to early third-round grade. He's a very well-rounded safety with an impressive build that supports his uh, physicality and playmaking skills, but he's out of position a lot. He trusts his eyes too much. Can, there can be a lot of coverage busts based on his plays he, t- he makes or doesn't make. And he has to be more disciplined going forward in the NFL. I mean, there's also some physical limitations to his game where he doesn't have the best top end speed or the best range or the best acceleration to really get back into plays and show that recovery burst needed uh, to make an impact at a high level in certain situations. So again, a, a top... 60 player on my board, but not the kind of guy people were talking about over the summer where they thought he could be a, this first-round kind of player. Uh, some of the positives for him, really good arm length, no real size, I believe. He's good at reading the quarterback's eyes to anticipate throws, and generally has good vision and awareness when he's looking, like inside his cone of vision, good vision and awareness. Outside of it, not as much, uh, but good ball tracking, good ball skills, and he's physical at the catch point. There are flashes where the range is really good. You have reps that you can go back to where the range shows up. But it's not always consistent. And you can look at his ability to trigger downfield really quickly. You see that wide receiver running back screens. He's really good working downhill. And a nice contributor in run defense who's going to work through blocks to make plays. It's just a very good player coming downhill. You can play in a multiple alignments. I think more too high coverages. But you can also have him potentially play in like a box role because of his physicality. Uh, some of the negatives I already talked about. The speed's good, but not great. I think his transition now is backpedaled into forward drive can be a little bit iffy. Uh, I think there's some tightness in his hips, I guess, which is why he has some issues with that transition. Doesn't have great acceleration or top-end speed. Vertical threats can blow blow by him because he gets flat-footed in coverage. Uh, Also doesn't have that recovery burst to get back in those routes. He cannot be a single high-safety next level, in my opinion. Uh, He does take poor angles coming downhill for tackles at times, which leads to missed tackles as well. And he will default to throwing a shoulder or diving at someone's feet and not really wrapping up his a tackle. So he does have some inconsistencies with how he approaches tackling coming downhill. My main concerns with him, again, are that the physical limitations that come with the limited speed, limited acceleration to really feel or protect uh, deep halves of the field. You cannot play single high. You're going to have to play more of a two-high role. And then it's the eye discipline. It's the ability to not, not bite on eye manipulation. He has moved out of position too much. And there are times where it looks like he's guessing or trying to big play hunt. that takes him out of the play and you give up something over the top. Uh, so I think that he has limitations there. There's some discipline stuff he can work out. But more of a you know, physically limited player who think has to play in two high rules, uh, can't play single high. So that's why I have more as a second round, third round kind of player than a first round guy.
0: He was a guy over the summer that you know, a lot of people liked, but I just think as the process is gonna go further and further, it's gonna be tougher for me to see him as this top 50 pick or even potential first round player that people thought he was. I think he could go in the second round, right it's not a good safety class really uh, there aren't a lot of names and I think he's an NFL starter, but right he'd be a third he i gave i thought third round like that's where I thought. And I don't think this pre draft process is going to do him any favors, but the the tape was really solid. And I think he's a plug and play starter. With Newbin, though, I think Newbin's on, I think there's a gap, in in my opinion, between the the two of them. And I know Newbin's an older prospect. And, you know, but both, you know, both take away the football. But I just think Newbin's a lot cleaner. You know, he's a lot bigger. He's a lot stronger. And to me, um,
1: Newbin was a much better prospect. Yeah, I agree. Newbin is more well-rounded, and he's made more plays in coverage. He's more disciplined as well, which is a huge thing for me. And I don't think you see as many physical limitations with his game. So I think Newbin is clearly separated himself as the safety one in this class.
0: Yeah, no, I do. You, I, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if he was a second. But I, I think this. I think going through his evaluation and just comparing him to Newbin made me think, wow. If you need a safety. I don't think Newbin gets past probably forty at this point. Where I think at one point we thought more fifty to sixty four range because there's a lot of players. Uh, I can even see him sneaking into the. for I don't know if where you're at with this, but I know we're turning uh, Cameron Kitchens into a Tyler Newbin discussion now. But uh, I just quickly, I I, I think there's a, I think there's an outside shot. He's a top thirty two pick because the team needs a starting safety and he's the best one by far in my opinion.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting because Philadelphia is going to be down there and they're going to need safety help, but they traditionally don't value those low-value positions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see. I think they might have to change their philosophy this year based on some of the things that happened, and they do need cornerback help too. But Philadelphia has, I think, three picks in the top 62. I imagine at least one of those is going to be a safety.
0: No, and, and so it could be Kenshin because, you know, he's a solid player, right? And you could probably get him. Um with your you know, last pick of, of your or your your third pick so not the one new orleans had but your second round pick so uh we'll see but uh yeah kitchen solid player just not necessarily where we thought you know based off the consensus over the summer cole bishop from utah not surprised he declared early but you know actually it was a smart decision but uh um what were your thoughts on uh, on bishop
1: yeah, I give him a third round grade. I think he's a really physical safety who does a great job flying around just everywhere, all over the football field. But he really excels at the second level, where he's playing almost a quasi linebacker role at times because he has good range to play, not quite silent to sideline, but play a lot like that. And you see sometimes watching the, the all 22, his acceleration, his burst of the football really set him apart from other players in pursuit on that team. Uh, so I think he's really, he does a really good job in his specific role. Uh, they used him in a lot of versatile alignments. At Utah, I think he'll be much more fitted to a specific role in the NFL. He's not going to have all that extra stuff. He's not going to play single high in the NFL. He's not going to really have the man coverage opportunities that he had in college in the slot. He's going to be more with 2 high safety with opportunities to play in the box, uh, which is why he's kind of over a third-round pick. There are some limitations there. That being said, good frame, good size. can add some bulk, though, once he gets to the NFL. Still add some mass. Uh, really good motor as well. Smooth and nimble mover in the open field with mostly fluid lower half, good closing burst. He's able to read and anticipate route combinations and read the quarterback's eyes to anticipate throws. Uh, he's quickly recognized as wide receiver screens and is really good at coming downhill to make plays. Uh, you can even see him sometimes jam tight ends at the line of scrimmage and press coverage. He's good in off man when he's working patiently so he can then break on plays in front of him. Uh, he's not a guy who you ever want really trailing a play in coverage. You want him to have everything playing out in front of him. Uh, but he can be a heavy hitter over the middle. Guys who work over the middle are going to have to be afraid of him. He's one of those guys where you hear the footsteps coming when he's, you're walking over the middle the field and he's in the secondary. Uh, he's got good angles going to the ball as well. a very consistent player when it comes to playing the football, how you take the angles, that kind of stuff. Some, some of the things you didn't get with Cam Kitchens, uh, you're going to have with Cole Bishop. Some of the negatives, though, the Iron length is good, but I don't think it's great. Almost all of his athletic traits are good, but I think they all fall short of elite. So he's not going to be a scheme transcendent player. The versatility is not going to be there in the NFL as much as it was in college. I still think he has to add some power to his frame to really keep the profile he had in college in the NFL level. Doesn't have the range for single high. Uh, and again, there's some limitations to what the coverage profile way he can do at the next level. I think his awareness outside of his cone of vision can be inconsistent. So he's really good at seeing things unfold in front of him, but things to his peripherals can be a little blurry for him at times. Uh, And then the ball skills and production are kind of hit or miss from him across the course of his career. And he does have this thing where he he goes full speed the entire time. So fly into and make a tackle and I'll just absolutely fly right by the guy. If the guy just makes it cuts on a dime, he'll go right past him. So he has to be a little bit more consistent at coming to balance as a tackler.
0: I I thought he was a top five safety in the class and another guy, right? Take him in the third round. I think you have a starting safety at some point in year one and definitely by year two. It's again, not a great group, but I I think no matter what class he would be, he'd be a third round pick and that's just kind of what he was. I thought he was really solid overall. And I I enjoyed his tape to talk about. uh, He goes 110% uh, on every single play like this guy is flying all over the field. And I I think he he starts in the league. So uh, I I was a fan of his as well. You know, I think when you look at, we still have to get through, you know, James Williams at Miami. I know Bullard, you know, really uh, playing his natural position um, took that next
1: step and he'll be
0: ahead of Bishop. Would you have Bo Braid uh, ahead of Bishop or would he be below him?
1: I have Braid below him. I think Braid's a good player, but I think Bishop is a bit better of an athlete if I had to guess.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. So that's kind of like that second tier safety, right? So go get Tyler Newman if you really, you want a difference maker. But, uh, after him, Taylor Demerson from Texas tech, a fun prospect that I think both of us uh, have enjoyed for a little bit.
1: Yeah. He's the high school running back. who's was a really productive high school running back, by the way. Uh, over 1,300 rushing yards, I think, as a senior. Almost 2,000 rushing yards the year before that. So, very productive high school running back. Converted to safety, which is why it's taking a little bit longer to come out and enter the draft. I gave him a fifth-round grade. and He's agile, versatile, safety. Uh, who's able to overcome some physical limitations with his motor and instincts, which have really popped on tape. Uh, and he's really developed himself across literally thousands of snaps at the college level. That being said, I still think there's some testing numbers we want to see. Uh, from In the pre jock process, I don't think he's going to test the best. And while he's exciting, I think he's falls short of being an elite starting caliber player in the NFL level in a couple of areas. So I think he's going to be a quality rotational guy, maybe a third safety, maybe a elite special teamer who gets in as a third safety after injuries. But I, I don't think he's going to be an NFL starter, which is why I'm a fifth-round grade. And I think he's a, a free safety in a cover-two scheme, so some two-high stuff. He could do some cover-three work for you, too. He's got a lot of experience playing single high. I just don't know that he has the range to really do that at an elite level in the NFL, but he can hold that point for you if you need him to. Uh, so some of the negatives, undersized with questionable arm length, doesn't really have a great vertical or catch radius. Uh, and you saw some single high coverage against Oregon this past year where he just wasn't able to really impact outside throws. His speed's good, but kind of falls short of an elite for a safety. Now he can do a better job anticipating and adjusting coverages on deep throws. Uh, does not look comfortable in man currently end up running himself out of play sometimes when coming down and he'll help in the run game. Uh, Some of the positives, more than 2,800 defensive snaps, a ton of special team snaps as well. He's been healthy too despite being an undersized player. You know, sometimes we get the small safeties get hurt a lot. He hasn't had that issue. Uh, Good fluid hips with impressive linear speed and acceleration. Uh, Good agility and fluidity as well. Uh, The instincts and coverage have really flashed recently, so I'm really impressed by that considering he's a converted running back. He reads the quarterback's eyes as well. He's a physical player, too. He's aggressive at the catch point. He's aggressive mid-route. Really good ball tracking, too. And he breaks the receiver's hands at the catch point to make sure he causes those pass breakups. And he's quick to trigger on screens and run plays as well. He's willing to help out coming downfield. And usually it's a wrap-up tackler when he gets to the uh, contact point. So overall, uh, an impressive player. I like him, but I like him more as a backup rotational guy in the NFL. No, I think he's
0: going to be able to play, though. Uh, I like the special teams uh, and the experience overall he has in both facets, but uh, yeah, definitely. I was I, don't know if that was, I was hoping we'd have found a gem, um, but yeah, I didn't view him with starter upset at all. But that doesn't mean that I don't think he could be, you know, potentially late fourth because of the versatility. But uh, yeah,
1: I I wanted to give him a fourth round grade. I wanted to give him a fourth round grade so bad, but it just couldn't, just could not get there. I wanted to, there's another guy too. who We'll talk about next week. I was like, I I wanted to give him a fourth round grade. I'm still doing his evaluation about being a fifth rounder. And it's just such a disappointing thing. So I wanted to give out those fourth rounders, but I just can't get there sometimes.
0: No, because yeah, when you get to the fourth round, like you have a potential starter and everything, so uh, you always like to give at least that. So we'll see there. But next, Tyke Smith, defensive back, Georgia started his career at West Virginia, then was really good there. Then transfers to Georgia, really was you know wasn't doing much, and then this year took off and uh, really had his breakout year there.
1: Yeah, he's a fourth round nickel uh, from Georgia, or fourth round caliber player, in my opinion, from Georgia who plays primarily in the nickel. Uh, he had played a more diverse role at West Virginia. kind of fell into one specific scheme fit at Georgia. He has some physical limitations and a pretty lengthy injury history at this point, but he's a high IQ defensive back who plays fundamentally sound football and can step in and be an impact player for you as a rookie and going forward as well. Uh, his physicality really helps compensate for his limited size and arm length. He's really good spacing coverage and in terms of zone discipline, uh, it's fantastic. So like he has the ability to play there, but he's also good in man coverage as well. He can be grabby at times, doesn't have the most fluid hips, but he's got a lot of snaps of man coverage, and he's been successful at it. So I think in the SEC of all places. So he's got a lot to like about him. Uh, just go to the the injuries a little bit. He missed five games in 2021 with a sprained foot and then suffered a torn ACL that same year. He's kind of been working back from that over the course of the past two years. This was his really first season being fully healthy after that torn ACL, which is why he had such a good year. Uh, I like the foot speed. I think he's sticky in man coverage, and he really is aggressive with the receiver, coming out of soft shoe press or hard press coverages. He's good at crowding the route along the outside, uh, pushing towards the sideline. He's willing to get physical with bigger players too at the top of the stem, and he's good at getting on top of receivers from off man coverage. As soon as they snap at the top of the stem, he's right on top of them to kind of prevent throwing lanes from opening up. Uh, does not fall for iron manipulation at all, so good discipline. Good short area burst, too, to recover and break up passes because he, comes, he sometimes does get behind, but he has really good recovery speed. Uh, appears to have enough speed to stick with vertical threats, but I do think burners would be able to get on top of him and beat him deep, so he will need some safety help depending on the specific matchup. Uh, good at shifting gears, though, from back his backpill to forward drive to trigger downhill, downhill, and he's a really aggressive downhill player, too. Uh, I felt like we got a couple of those guys today, but he is aggressive coming downhill. He'll take on blocks of bigger players. He'll defeat blocks. And you can stop him initially because of his size, but you cannot keep him blocked. He's going to get off the block eventually. He's going to make a play on the ball. There are some physical limitations there you need to be aware of uh, because his punches can be kind of inaccurate. They don't always hit where you need them to. His physicality just leads to some grabbing on routes. That will draw flags in the NFL. So I am worried about that. And I do think that this lower half causes some limitations in man coverage. Uh, But overall, I feel like it's a fairly diverse nickel who can do a lot for you in coverages and can be just a very disciplined, consistent player for you.
0: How much lower is he for you than San still?
1: Oh, man. I think San still is a little more fluid. Smith is more physical, and I think built more like an NFL player, like a little bit more size to him, a little bit more bulk. Oh, I think that it's a round difference for me. I think it's about a round. I wouldn't go too much. Maybe a round, round and a half. I don't want to say round and a half per se, but at least, I'd say at least a round difference. I think Sam Russell was better by a round.
0: No, I, I agree, but I, I, I was a fan of Ty Key. I, I put a third on him, but I just think with, every, with the injury history, as you touched on, I think that and Nickel, even though it's a really important position, not necessarily being valued the same way still, I, I think he probably is a fourth round pick would be my guess.
1: Yeah, but it, it's also a deep nickel class. You have four yeah. or five guys, so I think he could get bumped down a little bit, but like I said, diverse coverage sets can give you zone at a high level and man coverage at a high level.
0: No, uh, I agree. So, you know, good DB group. I, I'll quickly, uh, safety rankings. I feel like we haven't done it in a while. Newbin being at, at the top for you. Um, who do you have? Two, three, four, five, and then we'll, we'll throw in six there.
1: Yeah, let me pull him up real quick. But I, I do think Newman has separated himself to the point where he is pretty safe. I don't think there's anyone who's going to really stun me in the pre-draft process and take that away from him. Uh, but getting into the safety rankings, obviously Newbin, yes, he's a top 40 player for me. Number one, Cam Kitchens is still number two as a top 60 player. Uh, and then you get into this grouping of you got Kalen Bullock, Javon Bullard, Cole Bishop. Those guys are kind of all together for me in a, in a grouping. I think Bullard has jumped Bullock at this point, which cause I hadn't previously had Bullock a little bit higher. I think Bullard would be my three, which is surprising considering I I he played a lot of slot last year at Georgia and I did not like that at all. But watching him play more traditional safety this year, I felt more comfortable with him. I think Bullard would be my three, Bishop would be my four. Bullock would probably uh, still be my five and Brady would be my six, I wanna say, unless I'm I might be missing someone who's converted safety, but the only the only other guy who I thought I thought at one point in the year could be in this grouping would be Rod Moore, but he had injuries. He's been inconsistent. He'll probably go back to school at Michigan. Yep, I agree. So no,
0: yeah, as I said, right, it's like Bishop's top five safety for me. That's a third round pick, and I don't think he's a difference maker or a guy who I think can be like a big time impact playmaker and, and take the ball away. Uh, last prospect, Gabriel Murphy, one of the three UCLA pass rushers
1: yeah a lot of ups and downs with him as a prospect or my evaluation process i'll admit i gave him a fourth round grade specifically marked as a borderline top 100 player there are some caveats that come with this profile i think he's really explosive he's got a really twitchy upper body i love the upper body movement from this uh ucla guys it makes him really effective against the run and pass but there are a lot of physical limitations with him so you have to be comfortable with that when you're drafting this guy uh, I think he's more of a penetration-style player, so not someone who's going to anchor for you in the run game because he doesn't necessarily have that size or that natural leverage to do that. Uh, he's going to be more of a constantly working north-south for you. Now, he can slip off blocks at a high level, so I think that will be helpful for him in the run game. Uh, not going to handle double teams, obviously, well in the run game, but the concerns with him are primarily for me as a pass rusher because he doesn't bend well. He's got shorter arms. so He doesn't, ha- he doesn't have arms that are going to meet traditional thresholds and he doesn't bend at a high level. That said, he does an explosive first step. He times the snap really well. Good straight line speed and closing burst. He's laterally explosive, so he can exchange gaps very quickly. Uh, good speed up the arc. He's able to attack inside rush lanes, and he has that really twitchy upper body with quick and violent hands to execute pass rush moves. And yeah, he's got shorter arms. But I'll be honest, watching his tape, it wasn't clear and obvious to me that the arms were always impacting him as a pass rusher. I didn't, I felt like the bend was more detrimental as a pass rusher. The arms weren't really all that bad as a pass rusher. It came more to defeating and stacking blocks, where you could see that. But the pass rush moves in his, in his plan right now, he's got obviously the quick traditional swaths and swipes. Uh, but he's got a really powerful club, an extremely polished swim move as well. He's got a club swim hole chain together, a rip move, a club rip, a cross chop. He'll get skinny to shoot gaps. He's got, like I said, really good speed and burst that uh, translate well to stunts. And he he likes to hit the quarterback hard. He likes to be a guy who's going to put the quarterback on his butt and let him know about it. Uh, Good hand placement when playing in the run game. Good core strength as well. And quick hands with an elusive upper body to dodge blockers in the run game. You watch the Utah tape, and he had a couple of quick twitch run stops as well. And there are times where he's able to set his feet and really use his core to kind of pull or toss the offensive lineman out of his way. Some of the negatives, though, penalized 19 times for the past three years. I don't really know what all that's about. I don't think I saw a penalty on tape, but that's something to look into. Uh, Arms, I told you about, the band is not great. doesn't have the best arsenal of counters mid-rush to revive anything if it stalls out. He did benefit from moving all across the line for UC likes. They used him in a lot of non-traditional ways, uh, being like a stand-up zero-tech or even even a three-point stand, zero tech. They had him all over the place. Uh, there are some hip stiffness there that instead limits the bend. The agility is not great, which is why sometimes he has issues corralling quarterbacks in the pocket. You can see he gets back there, but he just can't get the quarterback down. And, and the play strength limits his contact balance to really hold up in the run game. So uh, up and down, I'd say, as a prospect. But you like what's there in this draft class where it's limited edge rushing group. I think you could see him go... Early fourth round, maybe maybe late third, but I think more early fourth round.
0: He's a guy I think people are either going to be really high on him, right? Like third, late third, fourth round range are really low on him. That they just you know he doesn't meet their thresholds for arm length. I, I really think that it comes down to that. I was a fan of his film. he j- he, be- he better test really well. Like he and his brother, they better test really really well. That's the key to all of this because if they go and they show it at the combine. Um, that will at least alleviate some of the issues, and I do think you know they have the athleticism to do so. I just you know I wonder how well it's going to be because you know, size size limitations, especially as an edge rusher, can impact your stock a lot. and we could be sitting there with you know Mel Kuiper, Daniel Jeremiah having you know the Murphy Twit or Gabriel Murphy as his you know number one player on his board for a while there in that fourth, fifth round. So we'll see you know, you're, you're like, So Nick Herbig fell. Um, last year. Just there's certain size things that people may question, but uh, he's really talented. We, we've we seen with Herbig this year, not the same player, obviously, but just make making an impact as a rookie who is way underdrafted.
1: Yeah, he's not going to be a year one star for you. He's going to be a, a designated pass rusher. And I don't know if he's going to be a, a long-term star at any point in his career, but I do think he's going to be a player who is your consistent rotational three-edge, essentially. And he can help you out in that sense. because He does have that twitchy upper body, which is kind of hard to find. Uh, I, I love that part. That's what really drew me in. If not for that part of this game and the diverse pass rush sets, I, I think we'd be looking at like a late day three UDFA kind of player.
0: Oh, yeah, no, exactly. So good player, right? He's interesting. It'll be good to follow him on draft day because teams are going to be all over the place with him. So we'll see it there. But uh, yeah, that was... Cameron Kinchins, Cole Bishop, Adrian Taylor-Demerson, Tyke Smith, and Gabriel Murphy, thank you for listening to the Draft Report. Catch us every Wednesday talking all things NFL Draft
1: Related.